I want to talk to you today about a topic that we think we know about and we don't know much about it. I want to talk to you today about salvation. About salvation. Now, most of us in this room, if I said you're saved, everybody raise both hands and two feet at least and say, I'm saved. I've never talked to somebody that's on their deathbed wasn't saved. You know, everybody's going to heaven. But I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about salvation. Because how many of you know that it is our job, one of our job descriptions as a Christian, to win souls? Winning souls is just another phrase for the word salvation. It's to win people to the Lord. It's for that they can be saved. Why does somebody need to be saved? Why, what's this process? So I want to answer uh, three or four things. Who needs it? Who can be saved? How are we saved? And how to be saved? Amen? And so uh, it's, a, it's a topic that um, you, you talk to different uh, beliefs systems and and uh, they've got a different way um a jehovah's witness got a different way uh you can work your way to heaven well uh you're required to do some work but that's not how you get to heaven amen that's a byproduct of you getting saved amen and so you, you can talk to um, the Islamic faith, and, and you just need to kill somebody. If you're a man, you just need to kill somebody and get you a few virgins on the way. And, you know, uh, you're supposed to love everybody but hate the ones that I tell you to hate. It's just a mixed-up deal. And, uh, and you can go into many denominations on figure, and, and they'll tell you there's many roads to salvation, to God, to heaven. Well, I, I, I kind of agree with them to, to, a, to an extent. There are many roads to heaven, but you just don't get to stay there on all of them but one. That's right. Because <laughs> you're going to stand before the Lord. Now, whether that's actually in heaven that you're going to get a judgment or somewhere between here, I'm not going to split hairs with you about it. I'm just telling you, you're going to stand before the one that heaven's all about. You're going to stand there. No matter your position, whether you... One way or the other, you're going to stand. Everybody's going to give an account for every word or every deed that he's ever done, number one. And you're going to know, you're going to give an account whether you're saved or whether you've been accepted by Jesus or whether you accepted Jesus Christ or not. That's a given, church. If you miss anything else in any denomination or anything that I preach, if you miss anything else, don't miss that. We was talking earlier in my office. I can be wrong about everything in the Bible and be right about, that, about how you get saved in that process, and I win. You can be right about everything else in the Bible and be wrong about how you get saved, and you lose. Think about it. you got to get this right. Whether you do or don't believe in tongues interpretation, whether you do or don't believe in, in the word of knowledge or all that, it, it, that's kind of irrelevant. That goes away. That doesn't save you, doesn't keep you in, uh, in heaven, doesn't keep you out, doesn't get you in hell, doesn't get you out of heaven. None of that, none of that matters. What matters is are you saved? Now, I believe in all of those things. I'm spirit-filled and believe in all of them. I believe in praying in the spirit, believe in all of it. I believe in speaking in tongues, interpreting, believe in all of it. We'll continue to do that. I believe it's biblical. So don't, don't think that I'm leaning towards sort of some other weird that no. I believe in all that. I want to know this, though. Before, before I, my grandkids get, get uh, when they get older, I want to do you know Jesus more than I do you speak in tongues. Do you pray in the Spirit? I want to do you know Jesus. Are you going to be in heaven with Papa? That's what I want. That's what I need to know the most. Okay? Above any, and then we'll work on these other things, okay? So I want to talk to us today about salvation again. Who needs it? Who can be saved? How are we saved? And how to be saved? There is a difference in the last two. Amen. 
So first, I'd like to start with 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Now, I, I'm going to kind of teach you today. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to teach you today like I do on Wednesday night. I, I like Wednesday nights. I, I tell you what, I'd, uh, if I get somebody to preach on Sunday, I'd, do it on, I'd just do Wednesdays. <laughs> I like Wednesdays, amen. And, and this is why I have a target audience when I go in. It's a lot easier to preach to a target audience, uh, uh, you know, a certain age group than it is all across the board, amen. And so I like that because most time you come on Wednesday, you probably saved, amen. Or you like to eat. <laughs> you just hung around for the other, you know. But First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Now, I want to break this down. It says, now, this is a faithful saying, and it's worth you accepting this. Accepting what? What he's fixing to say. And he says this. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Okay? So Paul is saying, look, Jesus came to save the sinners. This is worthy of your acceptance. You need to know that this is the thing that everything else is going to hinge on. You need to know it's worthy of accepting. So don't pass this by and think that there's many other ways. This is the way. He's, he's pointing every scripture I'm going to give you today is pointing that, hey, he's the way. Okay? And so we have to ask the question when he says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, we got to ask the question, well, who's a sinner? That's the first thing you got to, if he came to save those people who are sinners, right? That's the way I read the Bible. I got, I'm just real simple. Let me break this down. Well, who's a sinner? So let's answer this question. So who needs to be saved? Well, the sinners, right? He just said it. He came to save the sinners. So who needs to be saved? It's a sinner. Now, you may be a Christian now, but at one time you were a sinner. You still commit some sins, but that's, that's, we ain't going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that you were a sinner. When you get saved, you're no longer a sinner. You, you were a sinner saved by grace. You still do some sin now, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not identified by being a sinner. I'm identified by being a Christian. Do I still make mistakes and, and, and I'm perfect? Yes. You sound like my wife. No. There's no person that's walked this earth other than the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's not here anymore, that was a perfect, sinless person. So get it out of your head. You're going to be perfect when you get saved. It's not going to happen, but you're saved. You're making mistakes. It's called grace. Amen? You've got to walk in grace. And it's another message when you get out there and practice stuff, and I won't go to that today. But. So who are the sinners? In Romans 3.23, we know this uh, somewhat as if you kind of run in some of the ministerial circles or being in the pastoral realm or maybe even a laity, you call this the Roman road to salvation. This is the first thing you've got to acknowledge, Romans 3.23. For some have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, again, let's do our, let's do our, 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 our um, what, what we used to do, our spelling and definition. You know, y'all used to have to do the spelling words. You had to spell it and then define it. Okay, let's spell all. A. And what does all mean? All means all, and that's all all means, okay? That, there's no other definition. So, all. So, if you're in this room, if you can hear me, if you're online, you hear me, it includes you, it includes me. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So who qualifies to be saved? All. 
A-L-L. All, all means is all, okay? That's just it. It just means everybody. So you are a candidate for salvation from Jesus, through Jesus' work. You're a candidate. If you're, if you're in the group of all, if you can hear me today, you're in that group. If you can't hear me, you're not living. Romans 3.10 says it this way. There is none righteous, no, not one. So I'm building you a foundation today that who are the sinners? Who, who needs to be saved? It's sinners. And that, if you read the Bible, you take it for what it says, that that is each one of us. You are a sinner. You need God's grace. You need to be saved by God to get to where? Heaven. You're not saved just, from, just because you want to be saved, just to be saved. You're saved from hell, but you get into heaven by being saved. Amen. So who can be saved? Here's where it gets a little tricky in a lot of denominations in different, different realms. They, they think that only certain people can be saved. Um, some of the Calvinists believe that, that God picks you and it's predestined and you're bam, 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 I'll pick you, leave you, pick you. That's not true. Uh, we just learned who's sinners. Who needs to be saved. I got some more scripture. Just hang with me. So who can be saved? Anyone. If you choose, you can be saved. God's already provided the work. The work's finished. There's nothing you can do in the self of works. God's already done this on the cross, the finished work of the cross. Now, you have to accept that for it to be complete in your life, but he's already completed it. Amen? All right. John chapter 3, starting in verse 14. We love John three sixteen, right? Everybody can quote that, but, but if you back up, there's a couple of supporting verses before that that really, when you read those, really brings to life John 3, 16. So John 3, 14 says this, And as Moses would lift it up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, that whoever, who qualifies for whoever? All. So whoever believes in him. Now, if, 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 if you're in the whoever crowd and you believe in him, what does it say that happens? You won't perish and you'll have eternal life. That's salvation. See, your body is going to die. It, it, this, this fleshly body... You got a, a spirit, you got a, a soulless realm, and, you, and, and that's housed in a body. So you got soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. You got a spirit, it's housed in this body. You're three parts of this thing. So you got this body. And in that body is a spirit, and in that body is your soulless realm, your mind, will, and emotions. Anybody, got, anybody in here not have a mind, will, and emotions? Don't answer that spouses. Some of you are thinking to my wife and husband, he ain't got a mind. You know, I have to think for it. But everybody in there, you've got those, those qualities, okay? And so if you believe in him, you should not perish but have eternal life. Your body will die one day and it's going to be no more, okay? You'll, be a glor you'll have a glorified body and you get to heaven. That's a different message. Your spirit will never die. It's going to perish in hell or it's going to be eternally alive with Christ. There's your two options. 
once you, once you started breathing, okay, you got your spirit, your spirit was breathing, you're alive forever. We call it when we get to eternity, well, you're working on eternity now. This is just phase one. When you, when you die here, you go to phase two, which I guess you could argue, say, is that's the final stage. There's two stages here and there. But your spirit is your spirit. The one you got now is the one you're going to take with you. Amen? It says, so whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that some may believe. I mean, you're paying attention. That's good. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the perishing. You got perish. You either got the perishing or everlasting life. It's right in the scripture. But your spirit's going to perish. In other words, it's going to be in torment. There's a literal hell. You will go to hell if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You'll be there for eternity. There's no way. You're not going to gonna get worked out of it. You're not going to be good enough. You're not going to get prayed out of that area. You're there. Uh, let me just give you this example. See, the Spirit of God is not there. Okay? The Spirit of God is one of the torments of hell that there's no presence of God. There's no pro- Holy Spirit. That's hell right there. That'd be enough. If you can't do right here with his presence urging you and pushing you along, you're not going to be able to be good enough once you get there. Absent the presence. Praise the Lord. I'm just bringing some light to you. Don't be so disappointed. Just live right now. Get right with Jesus. Believe in him. You can go there. Go to heaven. You don't have to go there. That's, that's the purpose of the message. I'm hoping you're getting it so that when you go start witnessing, and you should, I'm pushing you to do that in 2023, we're going to be pushing you to win souls. I don't care if you ever have to come to another fellowship dinner on Wednesday night. Are you going to win souls? People are going to die and go to hell. And you're their only contact in Christianity. You're the only contact that could teach them a lot of times about Jesus Christ. You're working with them. Maybe they're, whatever the situation is, you're, you're that person. This is a heavy message directly. Ain't there yet, but we're going to get there. For God, watch this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be picked. It's not a pick and choose thing. God didn't say, Melinda, you, you, know, you look really nice today. I'm going to pick you. But Bill, <laughs> Ralph, <laughs> got you, Pam. It's not the way it works. It's not, not, what the, it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That he sent his son to die on a cross that whoever believes on him should what? Have everlasting life. They shouldn't perish. It is a, it's a simple thing that we say that we know, but do you really know it? Is it plain enough to you? Is it simple enough to you that you take this information? You say, I need to present this to my brother and my sister that I know is not a Christian. This is some good stuff, church. I want to read 17 again. For God did not send his own son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world 
through him might be saved. Who's the world? Who makes up the world? This is not talking about the mass, the round thing. Who makes up the world? People. All of us. We're people. And he came to save us, not, not a, a blob of mass called the world, but the people, like the church. You know, the church is referred to as, it's not the building, but it is the building. It's the people in the building, right? So he came to save the world. All of us. Not a few, but all of us he came to save. So who can be saved? I think we've established anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Is that correct? Okay. Keep me on track. So how are we saved? Okay? So remember, the next question is how to be saved. So don't get the two confused. So how are we saved? What's this, what's this process? Maybe not necessarily me physically coming down and giving my heart to the Lord or kneeling somewhere at my bedside and giving it, but how are we saved? How is this possible? How could this Jesus who lived in heaven and came down to earth, and how, how, what is this process? Why? How can we be saved? What's this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So how are we saved? Let me just give you a little teaser. By the gospel or the word. Okay? That's how you're saved. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, verse 2, by which also you are saved this gospel is powerful it's sharper than any two-edged sword it splits the bone and the marrow this gospel is what brings life to Christ that is no longer that you no longer see on this cross it's that gospel that comes alive in our lives that we present to other people that's how they get saved, through the gospel. You can talk to them until you're blue in the face. But without the gospel, you're just mumbo-jumbo. It's the gospel. Watch this in verse 2. It says, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. What word was he preaching? The gospel. It's through this gospel that you're saved. We've got so many people in today's society trying to call themselves saved and they don't know anything about the word. That is contrary to God's word. If you're not reading your Bible, you say, I'm saved, you're not reading the Bible, and you're not, you're not into this gospel, you need to really look in the mirror really hard spiritually and say, am I even saved? It's this gospel that saved me. And if I don't know it, how can I be saved without the gospel? And I can assure you, you're not going to win others to the Lord without the gospel. Praise the Lord. I knew you'd like this. I liked it so much, I read over it a few times before I got it. Came this morning. Verse 2, by which you also were saved, this gospel, you you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Man, that's good. It's the gospel. You believe in anything else, it's a belief in vain. It's vanity of belief. It must be in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that you're saved. It is the only way you can be saved. Through Jesus Christ. So, how are we saved by the gospel? How are we saved by Christ's death and resurrection? 
Verse 3 says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. This is Paul speaking. He said, I'm delivering to you what I first received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. There's that gospel thing again. That he died, let's read it again, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He said in his word that you're all sinners. He came and died so that these scriptures might be fulfilled, that you and I could come to him and be saved. So how are you saved? Number one, through the gospel. Number two, by Christ dying on the cross. Period. Pastor, this seems so elementary. If it's elementary, why do we have empty pews this morning? So many people want to get theologically deep in the Word of God. They want to tell you all of this, give you all these big terminologies that most of us don't even know as to why this can happen and this happen. This is what I do know, that Jesus rarely used the Scripture. Now, He was the Word. He rarely used the Scripture to convince someone. What did He do? He used secular parables he used things that you could identify with to get your attention to point you to the gospel go read the gospels he talked about birds that he knew when one would fall and how much more valuable are you than that he talked about uh, lilies uh, in the field that uh, how they were arrayed like solomon but how precious people are more than that he talked about planting he talked about farming some of you farmers he talked about farming he talked about seeds Come on. He talked about fig trees. Come on. Jesus was, he could, look, he was the greatest theologian ever walked the earth. He preached in some of the temples but, and, and the synagogues, but most of the time he was out in the marketplace doing marketplace ministry, winning souls with stuff we can connect with. If you don't know the gospel, how can I reach you with the gospel until I get your attention with something that you can relate to? Anybody ever played that game when we were little? We, we, were, we didn't have much money. But we would get a notebook, piece of paper, and we'd draw dots on it. We called it connect the dots. And, and, you'd make, and when you made a square, you'd put your initial in it. Anybody ever done that? Or I'm just the only one that's that poor. Amen. See, sometimes you've got to connect the dots with some people so that you can get their attention so they understand what you're talking about in this gospel. If you don't know you need to be saved, you're just whatever. What did Paul say about the law, about the gospel, about the word, the law? He said, I didn't know I was sinning until I read it. When I read it, I, my eyes were opened. So we've got to make a connection with people. If we're going to win souls starting now and through next year, if that's going to be one of our focuses is to win souls, you've got to know how to do that. You got to know why. How are people saved? Somebody, some people ask you, well, how can I be saved? Well, this is our typical answer. Well, you just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That is true. But how are we saved in the sense of Christ? How is that possible? This is why we don't soul win. You hear me? This is why we're not soul winning. It's simply because of this. We don't want to. We don't want to answer those questions that we don't have answers to. In other words, what I'm saying is we don't want to study to know those answers to those questions. 
Really what we're saying, we'd just rather you go to hell than me study so I could give you the answer so you could be saved. I mean, that's really it. If we want our children to be good at something, what do we do? We, we, we make sure that they have the, the tools necessary. If we want our kid to be a good baseball player or whatever, we, we get them a good glove and we get them a good baseball and we get them the little net in the back so you can throw in case they miss it. You get them a bat and you, you start them and you teach them fundamentals on, on that. But, but are, we teaching, are we teaching people about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we want to spend that time and effort and energy into teaching people about Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly how it's going to be on Judgment Day, but I do know this. For every word or every deed that you have done, guess what? You're going to, you're going to be held to your account. I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord said, you know, I sent by 3,722 people by your way, and you never said anything to them about me. Well, preacher, that's a little tough. But I got it for you, did, if you're wondering. Church, there's people going to die and go to hell. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. Not everybody you see in this room, listen to me. Not everybody in this room is going to heaven. There's been a statistic that says that some 60-some-odd percent of church-going people are not even Christian. What? But they go to church. They got to be a Christian. No, you can sleep in the garage. That'll make you a car. Come on. Church, it's, it's, it's time we get serious about this gospel thing and winning souls. What are we, to, can we do it different today? Can we do something different? What's the purpose of the church? Be honest. What's the purpose of, what does this per- church exist to do? Anybody, you, can, you can answer this. What is this church, what is this church ex- supposed to do? Win souls and what does this church do most of? Not win souls. Eat. Have a lot of classes. There's nothing wrong with those things. I don't want to quit eating. I'm just saying. Should we not refocus what we're really here for? There's people in this room that dreaded to get up and come to church this morning because you wanted to sleep in. Okay, I just admitted my faults. I'm sorry. I, forgive me, Lord. No. This is an eye-opening message. This is gospel. What's it for? You know, the main thing is salvation. The main, let's keep the main thing the main thing. But what are we doing? Most of the time, let me tell you what happens. I don't get a complaint. I've never gotten a complaint about we're not winning souls. But I have gotten a complaint that the toilet paper's out, that it's too hot or that it's too cold. This wasn't clean or that wasn't clean. You don't have this for my kids, and you don't have that. That's why I left the church, because you just don't have nothing for me. Well, if the gospel is not enough for you, then I don't have anything for you. 
But the gospel is enough. I am not mad. I want to win souls. Let's win some souls. We should have two, three, four new convert classes a week for different levels because people are bringing them in. They got saved last night. Well, let's get them right here. was so excited last year. I just knew God was going to do some things, and I knew people were going to win souls, and, and I went out and bought a bunch of Bibles. Bought a whole case of Bibles. Truth for youth Bibles for kids. They can understand it. Adult Bibles. Got them in my office. Amen. They're still there. I've given a couple away, but church, this time get serious about salvation. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to your kids? My Lord, I love you. Whew. You love me still? I'm still you still in love with me? I'm just telling you what this thing says. So how are we saved? By grace from Christ. So we got three things. How are we saved? By the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Everybody say by death and resurrection. That's of Christ, of course. And thirdly, by grace from Christ. You're saved. He doesn't have to save you. He's God and do all by, he can do it all by himself. He don't need you. He don't, do you understand that? He don't have to have you to do anything. He God all by himself. He loves you and he wants to include you. Amen? Watch this. And if some of you say, I don't know if that's true or not. Well, how many of you in here ran from Jesus for a long time? Uh, he made it just fine without you. Proof is he doesn't need you. He wants you. By grace. From Christ is how we're saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, in other words, when you were a sinner, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved or have been saved. By grace, his mercy saves you. Saves who? Anybody wants to be saved. All. You don't, have to, you don't have to wait for a certain preacher to come by. You don't have to wait to be tapped. God's not a fairy tale with a big wand going around tipping people. God says, I've done the work. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. Come to me. Another way we are how we are saved. By grace through faith. For by grace, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved. There's that, um, that support again for the first uh, Ephesians 2.4. says, For by, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, you can't work your way there. You, you, you didn't, it's a gift of grace that has been given to you. Right? And it's your faith in Christ Jesus that he has done the work. Now, I have faith in my father. That if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. That's my earthly father I'm speaking of. 
Okay? If, if he says, I, I'm going to do that, in other words, he, he has thought through the answer, I can do that. And he knows that he would have the resources necessary to do that. He has the ability to do that. And he has the authority to say that. Yes, I can do this for you or that or whatever. Amen? You follow me? Your faith needs to be such in Christ Jesus that you know that he has the authority, the resources, the ability, the power to do what he says he can do. He can save you. You, where do you get that from? Where do you build your faith from? The gospel. Reading God's word. It's by faith through grace. God says, I'm going to extend grace. Your faith is released when you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Your faith in Christ that he can do what he says he's done is released. Those two marry up and you get saved. You do not become perfect. You do not lose your memory of all those sinful things that you've done. Amen. That's where we get all messed up. We come to the Lord, we get saved, and we get up, and before we get to the altar, we have a bad thought. We have a thought of something we used to do. Come on. I wish he would get rid of part of my memory, but not all of it. I ain't got a lot to lose either. Amen? So, it's by grace through your faith in Christ Jesus that you can be saved. I'm hoping I'm, uh, this is really simple. I'm hoping I'm teaching you something so that you can take what I'm teaching you and you can go into your marketplace and you can teach others how to be saved. Now, I want to say this now. We talked about a little bit about this this morning in my office when the guys were sitting around. I said, sometimes you uh, winning someone to the Lord is a process, especially in the marketplace, in the workplace. Because, first of all, before you can uh, entice them to be saved like you are, they need to know that you're a Christian. And so you can tell someone, I'm a Christian, and then they're going to back up and watch you for a little bit to just see what is a Christian really like. That's why you need to be in the gospel to understand what a Christian is supposed to act like, be like, talk like. Uh-oh. So you'll know to present the right gospel because if you're in this process see, of reaching someone for the gospel so that they can be saved and you're projecting the wrong message, they say, well, I don't want any of that. You know what you just did? You projected Jesus Christ to them is something that he is not. So see, this thing about get winning souls starts with you. You thought I was going to leave you out, didn't you? It really starts right here. I can tell you what you need to do. It's real simple. But can you see that there's fruit? Can you see that this gospel can you see that salvation is manifested in my life through what you see me do? See, the problem that we have with the gospel is that it requires you to do something besides show up. The true gospel, the true gospel has legs and feet and arms to it. 
Praise the Lord. I just feel such a wonderful spirit that you're giving to me. I mean, it's just bound, I mean, it's just coming over. It's just like my cup runneth over, or yours runs over on me. Amen. You know I love you. Amen. You know I got this for you, did right? So, how are we saved? Number one, by the gospel. Number two, by the de- Christ's death and resurrection. Number three, by grace from Christ. And number four, grace through faith. Amen. Coupled with that grace and faith, that's how you are saved. So how to be saved. So we got people, and we've talked them right into right up here. So what's next? How do we, you know, yeah, I'm believing. I'm, I've got all this down. And, and Yeah, well, what do we do next? Well, this is the easy part. What does Romans 10, 9 say? Well, let's, uh, let's just see what it says. Romans 10, that's how to be saved. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you, you, you own the way to salvation. You might get there. Will. Not might be. Not if you jump through three hoops on the way there. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Well, how can you truly believe unless the gospel has been presented to you? How will you present the gospel in your marketplace? Maybe it's through a Bible study, but most of the time it's through what I am. I am a living, you are a living Bible. And if you don't read your word, you don't know how to live. You don't know what to to, uh, be an example to. You're just there. You're showing up and you're one of the guys. You're one of the gals. You're doing everything else that they're doing. That is not the gospel. How do I be saved? Let me read it again. That if you confess with your mouth, speak out, Lord, I am a sinner in need of mercy and your grace. I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I'm confessing with my mouth. Now, if you come and you say, Pastor, I want to get saved. You don't have to get really detailed with me. Just I'm a sinner. I get you from there, okay? I don't need to know all your stuff. I can't save you. It's Jesus Christ, graced by my faith that I'm going to get saved. You confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart. What do you got to believe? That God raised him from the dead. That he died. I'm telling you. I've said it before. If if he just stayed there dead. He's just dead. He's not the Christ. He's just a dead person. But he, he raised himself up. That same power from God was in him. And he raised himself up. He's alive today. And you believe, you confess and you believe that he raised himself from the dead and you can be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says in verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame 
For, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. In other words, he's an abundant. If you call upon him, he won't cut you short. He's not going to slack. Word says that his hand's not too short that he can't save. He's the Savior of the world. He wants to be your Savior. He don't have to be your Savior, but he wants to be. You don't have to, you don't have to call him Lord. You don't have to confess to him. But you'll go to hell. You don't have to. You, you can reject God all you want to. You, you, you can do that. That's really probably one, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is rejection of God because he can't forgive you if you reject him. If you was ever wondering kind of what that was, that's what I believe it is. Rejection of God. He can't forgive you of that because you hadn't asked him. But if you ask... He can forgive you of anything you've done. Watch this, anything you're doing right now. If it's sinful, you confess it, you can, say, you can be saved. The latter part of verse 12. Who is rich to all who will call upon him. Verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall... Come on, church, if you got to say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you believe any other process of salvation, you're wrong. That belief is wrong because that's contradictory to God's Word. His Word says that if you believe and you confess by grace, it's His mercy. That you can be saved if you confess and believe in your heart. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If the church, not just this church, I'm talking about all churches. I'm talking about the Assemblies of God, the Baptists, the, the, the Mormons, the whomevers, the Presbyterians, Episcopalians, the Lutherans. If we could all just get on one page that this is the way you get saved. We're just messed up. We got so much division in the church. On this process of how to be saved. Well, my God, if we can't get that right, we're just a messed up bunch of people. How are we going to get anything else right? Therefore, to prove to you that my thought is correct, churches are dwindling at an astonishing rate. Look around. Churches are closing. I know pastors that close the doors on churches in this state permanently. Because COVID hit and they thought, praise God, the preacher ain't there. So let's, we're just off the hook. And they don't go anywhere now. They don't do anything. And the churches are literally closed. We miss something in the gospel if we close the church. What happened? What's happening? Ask yourself, what's happening to my world? I can tell you, it's a world without Christ is what it is. 
It's kids without, without the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's, it's uh, ignorant, biblically ignorant people raised in biblically ignorant kids. Not meaning that in a bad way. Ignorant means you just don't know. We're in that second, third generation now that parents don't take their kids to church and we wonder, well, what in the world's going on? I can tell you what's going on. They don't know Jesus. It's been said many times that this republic that we live in, this constitutional republic, is only based on and only work when there's morality within its walls. Where does morality come from? It comes from the Word of God. But who portrays the morality from the Word of God? The church. It's not too deep because I, I got it. This is, too, this is simple. It comes back to this gospel. It comes back to the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes back to asking ourselves, where do I need to be with God? Am I still, am I still walking with God? Am I even walking with Him? If you're with us in our staff prayer in, in, on, on Sunday mornings at 10, just about without fail, one of the things we pray for in there is people will come here that don't know Jesus that need to know him. And the second thing we pray is, Lord, there are people, people here that know him but need to know him better. Did you know you got prayed for? If you're, not, if you're a sinner walking in, you've already been prayed for. We've already set the stage. We set you up. Your pastor set you up the first of the week praying for you that you were going to come as a sinner. You're going to get saved. You've been set up. And if you come to the church and just going through the motions, you've been set up. I prayed for you that you'd come into a closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we lose our passion for the basics, we've lost our passion for everything else. That's why there's the prosperity of the gospel, which is from hell. That's why there's all this name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, junk. Let's get back to being passionate about what we're supposed to be passionate about. Winning souls, taking care of widows and our orphans. The Bible says that's pure and undefiled religion. My God, we're trying to get that away. We try to help some widows here. We try to help orphans. But dear God, where's our passion for the lost? Where's our passion to show up at church? Pastor, you just don't know how busy I am. Well, just hang on. You've got plenty of time coming. It's called eternity. I understand we get busy. I'm not beating you up. Oh, Lord Jesus. I want you to be soul winners. I don't, I don't want to be. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to quicken and shake you a little bit. And say, where's your passion at? I'm not saying you've got to come to the church 24-7. That's not what I'm saying at all. But 24-7, he needs to be on your mind. I said 24-7, he needs to be on your mind. God can help you do things you didn't know you could do. He can help you. He, he, can, he can cause things just to happen for you. If you got your mind stayed on Christ. I'm not, I, again, I'm not talking about some pie-in-the-sky stuff, name it, claim it, blab it. I ain't talking about that. The Bible says if my mind stayed on him, he blesses those whose mind stayed. Focused. I want to encourage you. Take a look at where you are. What is your soul winning? If I put you, gave you a piece of paper and said, how many people have you, have you won to the Lord in your lifetime? 
that you could say, I led them personally, not that I was a part of in a big group or the church, that I led to the Lord. Not, not developed. Not, not, not nurtured after they say, got saved. That you led them to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're, the look on your face is the very look that was on my face when I looked in the mirror after asking me that question. I got a lot of blank spots. I got some empty lines to fill in, church. That's why I'm not beating you up. I'm with you. This gospel, this gospel, this gospel, this word is going to mean where we spend eternity with a lot, to a lot of people. You know how many people? All people. Because everyone, the Bible says that every knee, every knee shall bow. And confess the Lord Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee. Well, Pastor, I don't have any legs, so I'm excluded. Every heart is going to bow. Every heart. Will you stand with me across this building?